Um. <laughs> There's your cold what do we? Yeah. What do we say from here? Um. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. No pills gonna cure my ill. I got a bad case of loving you. A pretty face. Don't make no pretty face. Thank you for joining us on the very first episode of our podcast, Happy Pills, Healthcare in a Crazy Changing World. I am Dr. Joshua Severe, and with me is my partner, Mackenzie Fox. And you know what? We'll get into introductions about who we are and that kind of stuff at the very end. Until that point, let's dive right in. So, episode one, let's talk about Planned Parenthood. God, I know. I was talking about this to my boss today, and uh, he was like, oh, what are you guys talking about? And I was like, Planned Parenthood. And he's like, what about it? And then I was like, well, sit down for 20 to 30 minutes so I can fucking just lay into you about what about Planned Parenthood. <laughs> I actually, so when I was in college at uh, NTSU, I volunteered for Planned Parenthood as like one of their... Um, college reps and so they would give me condoms to hand out at like parties and things like that so i was constantly riding around campus with like a box of condoms in my back seat (laughs) hey you're always prepared yeah it's like you need condoms i've got plenty of condoms what kind do you want glow in the dark flavored let me know (laughs) yep so like the numbers i found and i mean you can can uh, agree with me. Three um, percent for abortion. What if I don't want to? Yeah, you go will, ahead. You will fucking agree with me. Three <laughs> percent of abortions, or three percent of what they do is abortions. Thirty-one percent for contraceptive services. Forty-five percent, which was really surprising, is STD and STI testing and treatment. Um, but I think what's important to, and I guess the rest of that's probably made up on just like like well woman visits and cancer screenings and things like that. Um, but 75% of Planned Parenthood's patients live at or below 150% of the federal poverty level. And that one third of those are black and Latino. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I found the same thing. Like majority of services are poverty level people, which one, I didn't know that either, but two, at the same time, I mean, if you have somebody in some super rich neighborhood, I wouldn't expect them to have to go to Planned Parenthood or your local health department to do things either right but a lot of people the reason they go to these kind of places is because they can't afford it to begin with exactly i mean i've used planned parenthood services myself for std and sti testing especially like when i have a new partner or whatever the case may be but if i go to my doctor and i have it billed with insurance it'll cost me like 250 dollars out of pocket but when i go to planned parenthood it typically averages around 45 dollars so i mean even for me who has you know currently isn't living at poverty level give me a couple years we'll see but (laughs) for me it just makes more sense to go to something like Planned Parenthood or other community centers absolutely I mean they even uh, cancer detection like I was reading a little stat right here they do 270,000 pap tests a year 360,000 breast exams in a single year and that is huge for people that can't afford it because a lot of people can't even afford like 
a local going to your regular general practitioner, much less going through to have specialized testing and that kind of thing. So this is like a huge service that benefits so many. And even trying to look at it from the like both sides of the spectrum here, I really don't get it. Why wouldn't you want to take away a service that helps so many women across the country? It's kind of mind-boggling to me. Right. And, I mean, I guess, so just for a backstory, why we're talking about this, um, on the 17th of this month, last Thursday, the House votes to approve H.J. Resolution 43, which allows states to withhold funds from any facility that provides ab- abortion services. Um, places like Planned Parenthood could lose $300 million in annual funding. Um, so before Obama... Uh, Obama, before he left office, he took preemptive (laughs) steps to prevent this uh, back in December. But the House used the 1996 Congressional Review Act that gives Congress leeway to overturn new legislation passed within 60 days. So they kind of snuck in there and and fucked all of us over. Especially right. women. But, I mean, you know, you mentioned, yes, it does have a lot of services for women, but Planned Parenthood also serves men, too, um, with contraception. Uh, I feel like I keep mentioning STD testing a lot, but, but STD <laughs> testing. <you> know, <laughs> Republicans are arguing that slashing Planned Parenthood funding would benefit taxpayers. A um, couple studies, one particular that I'm quoting right now is from Think Progress, shows that eliminating government funding would result in a $650 million increase in Medicaid spending over the next uh, 10 years. Which is insane to me because they're also trying to propose slashing cuts to Medicaid and Medicare (laughs) services. Right. So you're kind of screwing everybody over. And one of those things, the whole repealing Obamacare, and one, uh, looking at both sides of this, I – I never agreed with the individual mandate that fined people for not having health Mm -hmm. insurance, but I get why they had to have it. Um, You can only get the lower premiums if you have so many on it to benefit from it. They're paying into the thing, and that was the purpose of that. So slashing that mandate would just jack all the prices up. And I understand they're a lot higher for some people rather than others, and it's hard. But uh, right now I'm just thinking of it. My parents – who are middle of the road kind of people when it comes to income, they're definitely middle-class family. They pay, was it $970 a month for insurance mm-hmm. for the two of them? Yep. Which is insane to me. The The plot kind of thickened today when the Obama repeal bill was unveiled by the House, which includes language that would defund Planned Parenthood and some other abortion service providers for a year, specifically by blocking them from receiving Medicaid reimbursements for non-abortion women's health services. Have you had a chance to uh, look at the bill, actually? Because I haven't had a chance since it came out. Like, it literally I, came out maybe a couple hours before we decided to record yeah. this. So this is... I haven't got to see any highlights. All I've heard from it is that the uh, pre-existing conditions is something that they are trying to keep the same as Obamacare. But other than that, I have not seen anything from it, to be honest. Yeah, me either. Now, I was actually reading a thing today. uh, The governor of Virginia vetoed a vote uh, for a bill that would uh, unfund Planned Parenthood in the state of Virginia. Well, about Texas and them ruling that, no, you can't defund Planned Parenthood, especially based off on some shitty videos that weren't even real. Um, beyond that, so I think 
most people, when you think about defunding Planned Parenthood and those centers closing, where do those people go? Exactly, because they have no other – I mean, if you make it illegal, which you can't do anyway – but what they're going to try to do is, like, strengthen the rules and legislation to where it's damn near impossible to get an abortion to begin with. And they're also trying to slash Medicaid and Medicare services for – and like we talked about, the majority of the people that use Planned Parenthood are under the poverty level anyway. So not only can they reach and get that abortion, they also have a child that they can't even afford. So one thing you're going to do, you're going to see the poverty level increase dramatically. But uh, that's something fucking that's, expensive. I never realized how expensive kids were until somebody was telling me about like child care. Right. How much child care cost. Yeah. That was mind blowing to me. So they think, uh, based on studies, that 579,000 unplanned pa- uh, pregnancies is how many that uh, Planned Parenthood is attributed to preventing through contraception services. So approximately 31% of Planned Parenthood's patients seek contraceptive services, and that's averting like close to 200,000 abortions in a single year. So if you're anti-abortion, the one way that you keep people from having abortions is to let them have easy access to contraception, um, and that's through Planned Parenthood. I mean, yeah, you could go to those community centers that aren't Planned Parenthood, that aren't providing abortions, but if those places are having wait lists a mile long you know, now, how in the hell do you think that they're going to be able to keep up with the demand if you're closing local Planned Parenthood. Exactly. This is just like a wage destroyer. They're trying to like they're trying to make <laughs> all these measures to strengthen the middle class, but how can you do that when all the things to help strengthen the middle class you're getting rid of? That doesn't make any sense. And all that's going to do is tank the economy because a lot of these people don't have money to afford to go out and do things because you have to spend money in the economy to boost the economy. That's what does it. So if these people don't have the money to live, they're not going to go out and do luxury things. People are not going to go on vacations. They're not going to spend more on things for fun because they simply just don't have the money to do so. And all that's going to do later on is lead us into a huge economic recession like we had in 2007-2008. So just as kind of a funny anecdote for this, um, in the days after the election uh, of Donald Trump getting elected, Planned Parenthood saw a 900% increase on requests for long-term uh, and long-acting contraceptions like IUDs. Uh, people are really worried. They really rely on Planned Parenthood. And I think the idea of Donald Trump, you know, and we certainly don't have to get into the mess that is Donald <laughs> Trump tonight. Uh, we'll save that for another podcast. But people are scared, and I think that was one of the promises that he made um, during his election. And seeing how he has led the first couple months of his presidency so far, I think it scares a lot of people that Planned Parenthood is really on the out, um, especially if local judges aren't going to to stand up for for what's right and what's legal. Exactly. Do you think there should be an age limit uh, for when people can start receiving contraceptive services, whether it be men receiving condoms or females getting birth control? Do you think there should be an age limit either way for either gender, honestly? I mean, me personally, no. I don't think that there should be. I think a lot of times parents want to think that their kids are 
you know, speaking for young kids, obviously, that they, they want to think that their kids are going to, to come talk to them about sex. And in the ideal situation, they do. And, you know, they sit down and they come up with a great idea together and kind of go from there. But I don't think that happens that often. So we go back to talking about contraception. I just got totally I distracted. Like, I was just like zoned out. I smelled something and was like, oh. Yeah? You hungry? <laughs> yeah. I forgot <laughs> to eat today. I totally do not fucking understand how people forget to eat. It's like 1130, and if I hadn't had enough to eat by 1130 in the morning, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't function. I'm Yeah, dying. I know that's insane sounding, but I did that. I was on like a deadline today, yeah. and – I started yeah. working on my stuff for work, and I'm trying to get this research paper out, and I was trying to crank this stuff for this presentation and completely forgot to eat. I looked down at the clock, and it was 3.30, and I was in the middle of a meeting, and I didn't eat. That's nuts. Yeah. You know those, like, Snickers commercials where they're like, calm down, Becky, you're being a cunt. Here, have a Snickers. That's me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm Becky that's being a cunt. <laughs> I'm to- totally keeping all this shit in here. This is awesome. <laughs> but, yes. So, so an interesting uh, fact that I found when I was doing this <laughs> Absolutely. research. Um, in 2014, an estimated close to a million, 926,000 abortions were performed in the United States, 12% fewer than in 2011. The 2014 abortion rate was 14.6 abortions per 1,000 women aged 15 to 44, representing a 14 de- uh, 14% decline over this period. So, better sex ed, easier access to contraception, um, equals less abortions. And that's just, it's not like in those couple years people found Jesus and was like, let's not get pregnant and have abortions. It's more, you know, women were able to have easier access. You know, younger (laughs) girls were able to get plan B over the counter. When you make it easier to prevent pregnancy, Mm -hmm. you make it easier to prevent abortions. Um, most women (laughs) that are going and having abortions are not, you know, women that are using it as birth control. And I think that's a a myth that kind of precedes Planned Parenthood. You know, most women who have abortions have children already. They're working. They literally cannot afford another child. Um, you know, it's not some evil crackhead that's, you know, on her seventh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> on her like 17th abortion in the last three years. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I think that when you try to work with Planned Parenthood and, and especially see the work that the doctors and nurses and just people that work in those offices are doing the work that they're doing, it's oftentimes thankless because you have protesters standing outside and yelling all day. You have to have escorts for women that are receiving abortions from their cars to their to the building because there's literally people standing outside yelling and calling them murderers. Um, yeah, I didn't realize how intense that was. And then, uh, how people, extreme people take that stuff too. And then I think back, was it like a year or two ago, that guy that, uh, attacked that Planned Parenthood and started shooting at people. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. insane. Well, and then I think, um, you know, one of the big stories is Dr. George Tiller. He was a physician um, from Kansas who was nationally known for being one of the few doctors in the United States that would perform late-term ter- late abortions. Um, and he was murdered, I believe, while he was at uh, church. So, <laughs> wow. what does that say? You Talk know? about and a that damn was- dumb lab there. 
right? <laughs> and that was back in 2009. That wasn't like that was in the early 90s when this, you know, when the shit was just coming up. That was just a couple years ago. For sure. And there's been a lot of court cases and stuff like that concerning contraceptives and that kind of thing. Uh, I think back, because uh, in my medical law program, I had to do um, abortion related cases the other day, not too long ago, actually. And uh, there was a case where a mom sued a hospital because they gave her child contraceptives. And because she said that she didn't want her child to know about things like that. Well, if you didn't want to know about it, she going to end up getting pregnant Mm because she didn't have that education, didn't have that sex ed, that kind of thing. And uh, so the hospital shot her down. The hospital won the lawsuit. So then she tried. It was in England, and England has a completely different healthcare system than we do. So in order to try to make a difference, she appealed and sued the entire national healthcare service in England. And uh, it went, and they struck her down again, and then she appealed it again. And so they sent it toward the uh, House of Lords and the Supreme Court in England. <laughs> Basically said that it's up to the doctor, and they laid out some guidelines. If she, if the doctor feels like she is competent to make that decision on her own, and uh, she knows what she's doing, and she's doing it because she is scared about something, if she needs inf- more information, the doctor has that right to give her that contraceptive without a parent being there. And that had lowered the abortion rate dramatically because you can have abortions – Pretty openly in England. It's not a big deal. And uh, there was another thing. Somebody got sued. It's illegal to have an abortion at all in Ireland unless mm-hmm. unless it is a harm to the mother. If it may kill her by having that baby, right? then the mother can have an abortion. So a lot of these people, it's a 30-minute flight from Ireland to England. So these people were hopping over there. They had a increase once that got struck down or that law went up they had a 40 percent increase uh in people leaving to get abortions in england because they don't have a problem with it yeah so then the irish government got pissed off and went through and made this deal with england uh saying that irish nationals irish nationals are not allowed to escape and come over and have abortions in england anymore so they saw a rise again so then people started coming to the united states for abortions That's just so crazy. Going other places. And because of that is uh, in the law in Ireland, it's stated that the Catholic faith would not allow abortions. And a lot of the laws are based on uh, Catholicism in the Republic Mm -hmm. of Ireland. And that's why that stuff happens. I remember reading um, a a case study or news article about a woman in Ireland who was trying to use the law of, you know, whether the mother's life was in danger. Um, She was trying to take it from a psychiatric point of view where she was having suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. um, based on post. I think she had had another child and maybe had been dealing with post-traumatic or not post-traumatic, not not PTSD. Um, Wow. That was a a hell of a, that shit was that painful. <laughs> but know that she was um, dealing with uh, postpartum depression, and so she felt like going through another pregnancy would certainly result in in harm to herself, like major harm, if not suicide. And reading things like that is just so tragic. And I worry that the U.S. may get there. 
It may. It very well may. And believe, like I said, believe what you want to, but when people's health and the financial impact of someone's life or economic life or harm in general, like when you're affecting someone's life by not allowing them access to a service like that, you're endangering the population as a whole later on down the road. It's only going to make things worse and not having this ability to access these type of things are just going to make it worse. And yeah, we probably will get there one day, especially the the current administration right now is kind of psychotic. I'm still convinced I'm being punked right now, but it's only getting worse. So one thing to bring up, um, especially since you're in law school, uh, Planned Parenthood has said that, you know, they definitely plan to take this issue to court. Um, they're one of their spokespersons is quoted to say to date, every court consider every court to consider this issue on merits has ruled that the state politicians cannot block access to Planned Parenthood. Um, the resolution targets Planned Parenthood's participation in Title X, um, which allows medical providers to offer reproductive health care to millions of low-income Americans at little to no cost. Um, Planned Parenthood receives about $500 million annually um, from the federal government, and a fourth of that comes from Title X. Uh, one of those stipulations is that health care providers can, are prohibited from spending that Title X funds on abortion by federal law. But by choosing to single out Planned Parenthood, um, Republicans are uh, essentially, I mean, according to them, they're breaking the law. So two of the people leading this resolution, their two sponsors, um, is Congresswoman Diane Black from Tennessee. Oh, which, God. I know. I know. Oh, and God. Senator uh, Joni Ernst of Iowa have both cited the misleading videos that came out a couple years ago, which were edited to look like Planned Parenthood sold fetal parts for profit uh, (laughs) as a a reason to strip Planned Parenthood of its federal funding. So the videos, I don't know if you've read into any of them, they were heavily, heavily edited to make Planned Parenthood seem like they were selling baby parts after abortions. Um, What most of the videos were showing and discussing were that, uh, unfortunately, when women come in and either have to do stillbirths or late-term abortions, they have the option to donate those fetuses for science. Um, and, And that's what those videos were. Uh, even a portion of them were talking about. So, but I think when you think about, when you think about um, denying health care like this, just based on literally lies and misinformation, what does that say about, one, your competency, but two... Absolutely. Yeah, the state of, of our, you know, legal status in the country. For sure. I mean, this is something weird. It's only going to escalate in court, and I have no doubt in my mind that Planned Parenthood is going to end up... The funding issue is going to go to the Supreme Court eventually. I have no doubt in my mind. And uh, honestly, based off the way the federal courts read this, because they, you know, they are educated people, I have a feeling that it's going to rule in Planned Parenthood's favor. I mean, denying healthcare services to women based off what service that it is is damaging. So I feel like this is ultimately going to be a win. It's going to be a torturous road to get there, like a lot of things that have happened in this country. But I definitely think it's going to come out on top. 
So apparently a year after Kansas kicked Planned Parenthood um, out of its Title X program, the number of Kansas uh, residents receiving contraception, STI test, and cancer screening subsidized by Title X had fallen more than 14,000. That's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely that's, insane. That's 14,000 people that could not know they have cancer. That's 14,000 people who could be, you know, the subjects of unintended pregnancies. That's 14,000 people who could start, you know, um, an outbreak of AIDS. They could, absolutely. And all if they just had that access, they would not have had that problem. But this is where we've come to now. And... Uh, if people were listening to this and you have, like, comments and stuff that you would like to get us to address about it, I would love to hear it and I'd love to debate it with you because, I mean, I'm open to anything that actually makes rational sense. I'll even, bra- I'll even bring your, um, your comments up uh, on the podcast. We're not always going to talk about Planned Parenthood, and it's going to be a different topic pretty much every week unless we're readdressing comments. All right, so I guess <laughs> let's talk a little bit about ourselves. So, yeah, my name is Mackenzie, a Nashville native. For this podcast, I'm certainly not as qualified as my counterpart, Dr. Severe, but I like to think that I'm the the funny one here, and everybody will agree. (laughs) So, seriously, I bring a passion uh, for social justice to this podcast. Uh, My background is in humanities and social sciences. Um, I attended Cumberland University in good old Lebanon, Tennessee, with an interest uh, in obtaining my licensure as a professional counselor. LPC, MHSP. Uh, I'm in recovery from an eating disorder, and that has really been one of the uh, driving factors, not only to get back into school, but really to make sure that everybody has an even playing field when it comes to receiving um, mental health care. I am also a crazy cat lady, and I really love my cats. (laughs) You are a crazy cat lady. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm a power lifter in, in my free time, which is quite a bit, actually. Um, <laughs> lots of free time over here. There's like, <laughs> I have no boundaries. None. That's a good thing. That's a good thing because you won't have a problem saying any crazy things to whatever people say to us on here. Exactly. Yes. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, my name is Dr. Joshua Severe. I went to the military right out of high school uh, when I was 18 years old, and I was a hospital corpsman in the Navy. Otherwise, it was like basically a medic uh, for four years. I got certified in advanced cardiac life support and got my EMT license while I was still on active duty. When I got out, I worked as a medical assistant doing cardiology. I managed the Coumadin Clinic and did nuclear cardiac stress testing while I was doing my undergrad at Cumberland University in good old Lebanon, Tennessee. Um, After that, I got a degree in American Sign Language from National State Community College. I forgot about that one. I got my doctorate at Pacific University in Forest Grove, Oregon, after finishing my residency in audiology up at the University of Chicago Medicine, and I interned at NHS Lothian in Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, Advanced Bionics in Valencia, California, Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon, and there was one more. Providence. Providence Neurodevelopmental Clinic for You're sure. You're welcome. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah, that was an internship too. Uh, so I've been working in healthcare for no lie. It, it's 13, 14 years now. That's insane. I'm 30 years old and have been 
in healthcare for 13 years. That's crazy. But, um, yeah, I love what I do. I do cochlear implants in children now. And I'm currently working on a degree in medical law from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland as well. So that's where a lot of my law stuff comes from. I have to research it pretty much on a regular basis. And I think I'm done talking about myself right now. So can we just talk for a second? Because one of my favorite memories of Josh. We, oh, yeah, it's weird when people call me my severe. first name. Um, <laughs> is when we were graduating from college, he ran across the stage and ripped off his cap and gown, and he was wearing a Superman outfit underneath. Um, I hated, I hated him. I hated this man for like the first two years that I knew he existed. And he ended up winning me over on a trip to New Orleans. We really bonded, and then found out, oh shit. We have some very common ground that we share, um, but healthcare reform and really just making sure this world is a better place once we leave it. Um, and so I, I think we've both been pretty fortunate to have found each other in our lives. Absolutely. For that sure. That makes us sound like we're in love. We're not in love. Really sappy right now. It's so sappy. So I, sappy. I still kind of hate him, but I, I like okay. him a little bit more. <laughs> I won. I won. Hopefully, you guys have enjoyed listening to us uh, and our crazy rants. Rants for the last, and ramble. Yeah, for the last 20 minutes or 30 minutes or however long this has been. Um, really, <laughs> I think the podcast can only go up from here because I'm going to imagine that this first episode's a little bumpy. But oh, yeah. if you'll stick with us, I promise it will get better. Absolutely. We would love to hear from you. Um, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud or on iTunes. You can also check out our website, which is just happypillspodcast.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at happypillspod. Because apparently cast was just too many letters. It's just, it's just too much. Too much. <laughs> too much. Um, <laughs> But then hopefully we'll be able to release these every couple weeks. But, yeah, we look forward to hearing from you in between those times. Awesome. 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 So, yeah. (laughs) All right. I guess we'll see you guys next time. God bless.